Oh, Holy that was... fuck, that was nice. I mean, Clint is used to like dealing with smaller things anyway, so you know, why change a habit Damn. of a lifetime? <laughs> Damn! <laughs> I know. I you like that, Clint. <laughs> the Aryan race, brother. Uh, it, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Inevitable as pain taxes. <laughs> <laughs> See, at least you guys get a choice if you do it man. You got to do all that stuff manually. I don't even like. It comes straight out of my paycheck. I don't even see it. I don't even get the chance to not pay it. Oh, I mean, it comes straight out of our paychecks too. Yeah, we don't get to adjust that shit. Yeah, but don't you guys have like tax season and all of that shit? Yeah, that's when they. Yeah, but if you do yeah. it wrong, you're fucked. Yeah. And they it's know like... exactly how much you owe. They just won't tell you. You got to find figure it out for yourself. Yes. yes. So they can give you a refund, which they already know what's going to be anyway. Why are you guys America. so backwards? <laughs> I don't know. Fucking military industrial complex, maybe? <laughs> I mean, when it comes to like a uh, refund for mine, I don't even notice it. Like, we don't even get told. We used, you know, up to like a few years ago, you had to do the whole, you know, tax back application, all of that. They don't even bother with that now. They just do it straight away. You just look in your bank account. Oh, I just got 300 bucks. Sweet. Mm. Yeah. Model money. I mean, savings. <laughs> yeah. You, you think I've got model money. <laughs> you, know, you know the most I've spent on a model in the last nine months? <laughs> I just heard fucking Clint's thing go off. How much <laughs> have spent? The most I've spent. There's literally forty dollars, and that's just what I've bought for the forty-eight and forty-eight challenge. Oh man! Yeah, like I'm, I'm averaging spending like twenty bucks on a model at the moment, so I'm doing pretty well. Hey, I'll I'll be right back. It's like I got put one of the dogs up. Very well. Let's see. Let's see how how well can I do this one? I want to get this on. That was pretty fucking good. Was that, that was that good? Not as good. Not as good as the intro one. I, I don't think I'm ever going to beat that one. Eh. Yeah, no, that was fucking. That oh, was like top shit. That was just, that was just a a proper pull. It was a proper rip. <laughs> Have you ever heard the saying? Uh, there's a saying down here for uh, when you're playing for, playing with yourself. It's called uh, ripping the ears off it. Have you ever heard of that one? <laughs> no, what the fuck? <laughs> you just go, oh, you know, he's just by himself ripping the ears off it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's oh, great. down down here, Aussie and us, Aussie and Kiwis, we have the best fucking sayings, eh? <laughs> I mean, my my favorite, the one I use all the time, is uh, "She'll be right," and that's just for like anything. It's like, you think it'll be good? Nah, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, I'm back. Well, we have we have to teach people. Um, if you ever come to New Zealand and ask us a question, you will be very confused to the answer. Oh, more than likely. Well, because we do we we do the yeah nah thing. You, if you ask a Kiwi like a standard yes no um, question, we'll we'll reply with yeah nah yeah yeah, 
Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right I'd be confused. What the fuck? What you got to do is you got to uh, count the yeses versus noes, and depending on which one is the start. So, you know, <laughs> so yeah, nah, yeah. Well, that's a yes. Nah, yeah, nah. That's a no. Or you could be a yeah, yeah, nah. It, it all depends on connotation, you see. But yeah, when people come around here and ask us a question, they walk away with even more confusion than that, what they started with. And we love it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, nah, mate, yeah. <laughs> the devils, the devils of the down underland. Uh, oh, we love to get down under. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen that one coming. <laughs> uh, and on that, welcome to the Micro Machines podcast. Uh, this week, we will be talking about the M8 Greyhound and all about it and how you can build it but first let's do some introductions uh so you have as usual in the usual order you have me callum coming from new zealand and i am drinking currently a boundary road brewery's hazy pale ale and uh she's damn fine you got me garrison out here in kansas living it up in the midwest drinking a fucking black coffee with milk and pure maple syrup getting ready to read slides yeah and i am clint here in indiana the true midwest and Whoa. i have uh, fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking again uh pepsi <laughs> that's a controversial take <laughs> <laughs> how about you gentlemen have yourselves a pepsi <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> hey, wait a second i've heard this before <laughs> i love spies like us <laughs> wait, <what? laughs> oh fuck old Christ. movie before your time oh, yeah i forget you're an old man <laughs> hey you're not far behind me uh that yeah. is, that is yeah that is true how the fuck do you uh, What's going on here? How can I... No. That. No. Slight technical hitch. How the hell do I put this into bloody... Thing. There it is. Alright. So, Garrison is deciding to lead us this week on the M8 Scout Car, also known as the Greyhound. Take it away. Alright, so... Uh... This is the M8 Scout Car Greyhound, one of the peeping toms of armored fighting vehicles. So the introduction, the M8 Greyhound was the only, that was, um, you should have done that like 0.5th of a second sooner, that would have been amazing. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> needed that, okay, go ahead, we are professionals here, don't forget that. Yes, 100% <laughs> totally professionals. All right. Totally fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, introduction. The M8 Greyhound was the only armored car that the U.S. utilized in combat during World War II. It was originally a response to the U.S. Army's request for a new anti-tank vehicle. Its small 37mm gun and light armor forced its redesignation as a reconnaissance vehicle. With its high speed and quiet engine, the Greyhound was well adapted to its purpose, though its off-road capabilities left much to be desired. It was hastily introduced in Italy in 1943, but it also played a role in the Pacific, where it could serve its original purpose as a tank destroyer. 
While retired from American service after the Korean War, the M8 saw service in many developing countries as late as the 21st century. That's got to be a bit insulting to the Japanese, isn't it? Like <laughs> over in bit. Europe, it's a scout car. Over here, it's a tank destroyer. <laughs> it does sad. Yeah, yeah. You got to. They got to feel a little bit insulted by that. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> Come on, guys. Ugh. All right, so I've gathered some stats here. Number produced, we have 8,523. Jesus. Which, honestly, that's like kind of insane. And yet there's not <laughs> many that you can buy nowadays. Yeah. yeah. A crude four. The main armament was a 37mm M6 anti-tank gun. Other armaments would consist of a 30 and or 50 cal. The engine was a Hercules JXD, horsepower of 110. Max speed was 56 miles an hour. Weight was 8.2 tons. Length was 16 and a half feet or 5 meters. Width was 8 feet 4 inches or 2.53 meters. And its height was 7 feet or 7 and a half feet at 2.26 meters. So that's about 1.3 columbi. Yes. <laughs> what was the, how much armor did it have? Uh, I think it's later on in the slides. I think it was, God, it was thin as shit. It could stop. The front armament could stop at 50 cal, but the side armament could only stop at 30. Um, I mean, you know, for a light car, that's not still not bad. I mean, at least the Germans didn't have 50 cals. Yeah, but they had fucking auto cannons. Yeah, that's true. One of those flak veering or whatever they call them. A fucking yeah. looks or some shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say though, fifty-six miles an hour, or ninety kilometers an hour, that would be a bit scary in well, a vehicle like that. Getting. Well, they could only do that on paved roads. <laughs> no, still, <laughs> yeah, something that you know the the countryside of Italy is well known for. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, is that a eight-cylinder engine then? Uh, yes, I believe so. It seems weird. 110 horsepower doesn't seem like a lot. Like when you versus say a tank, like the uh, you know what could a Maybach uh, produce horsepower wise was something like 900. You know, like high torque, like extremely high torque. It seems seems weird. Like when you look at like numbers for horsepower, it doesn't seem to match up with what you think is required. Mm. Yeah. All right, so uh, where did Greyhound, the name Greyhound, come from? While in British service, the M8 was known as the Greyhound, a service name seldom, if ever, used by the U.S. The British Army found it too lightly armored, partially the whole floor, or particularly the whole floor, which anti-tank mines could easily penetrate. Fun fact, the crew's solution to the lightly armored floor was lining the floor of the crew compartment with sandbags. And you get a nice little picture. The only picture I could find of a British M8. Literally could not find any others. It's kind of rare for a British vehicle as well. um, To have the 50 on top of it. Are you sure those are British? Um, They look British. Fairly certain. I don't think they're French. I'm just looking at what this guy's got. If you can see my cursor. Yeah, um, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, it kind of... It... I can't attribute it to. I, 
it kind of looks like that French um, Mars 38 <sighs> submachine gun. Or it could be a Bren. Like the, the first half of a Bren. Hmm. I don't know. But I... <laughs> what's, al- what's also weird to me is if British, they usually didn't have the 50 cal on it. The British went big in, on the 50s. And it's got a spotlight on it. I've never seen that before on a Greyhound. That you know, it's got I that, that light. That is interesting. This is in, I'm seeing a lot of interesting things on this one. Yeah, you know, at the same time though, it's like I've never seen American troops in parades, so it's got to be French or British. Yeah. See, I don't think they're French because the uh, the French had a lot. They put a lot of fucking markings on their uh, inmates. And there's could like, it possibly be Polish? It, could, it it might be Belgian. Yeah, because now, be, uh, now I'm seeing this. This yeah, guy. Yeah, I just that looks that like too. a medicine. That looks like a medicine. Like you got a, a <sighs> or is it just like an optical illusion? I don't know. Am I looking too far into it? I don't know. <laughs> That's hey, okay. Like and, Google searched uh British M eight scout car and this was like the third image that came up, and the rest were all American, so I it's like fuck it, they got berets. It's British. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it's just my wishful thinking of a diorama where you have a guy with a a Muzz thirty six or thirty eight and a Madsen MG. I don't know. Maybe it's just my imagination going wild on it. It's I what mean, I want. It's what I want. All right. Just wait until the end, and your imagination will run fucking wild with this thing. Can't <clears> wait. <laughs> all right. So development and production part one. In July of 1941, the U.S. Army Ordnance Department initiated the development of a new fast tank destroyer to replace the M6 37mm gun motor carriage, which was essentially a uh, three-quarter ton truck with a 37mm gun installed on the rear bed. The requirement for this new tank destroyer was for a 6x4 wheeled vehicle armed with a 37mm gun, a coax machine gun mounted in a turret, and a machine gun in the front hole. Its glacis armor was supposed to withstand fire from a 50 cal machine gun, while the side armor from a 30 cal machine gun. Prototypes were submitted by Stud Baker, the T-21, Ford, the T-22, and Chrysler, the T-23, all of them quite similar in design and appearance. Have you seen what an M6 um, GMC looks like? Yes, that thing looks fucking tits. I know. I think a Tallery... Atelier are the only ones that do it in 35th scale, and I want one desperately. They look so cool. I did one in uh, 72nd scale. Did you? A long time ago. Yeah. Hmm. Don't I don't remember, remember ever seeing a photo of that. It was a quick commission build I did for a fucking AAV. Oh, uh, right, right. Okay. A long time ago. So let's have a look. T21, T22, T23. Can you guess which one won? it looks like ford guy what is funny though is how closely the designs like are to each other so like everyone was on the same sort of idea of what they wanted Mm -hmm. which is interesting that um when you look at prototypes when you when companies are asked we want this 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 and this how similar the designs are it's like clearly this is what everyone thinks is the best idea but mm-hmm. it's, it's just a weird sort of thing you notice it's just like how similar uh different companies get it i mean it looks like yeah. chrysler just like didn't even try though for real <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Charles> <laughs> <a kid. laughs> 
Chrysler is the group build that didn't finish it in time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So, um, development and production part two. In April of 1942, the T-22 was selected, despite complaints about deficiencies due to the need for vehicles. By then, it was clear that the 37mm gun would not be effective against the front armor of German tanks. So, the new armored car, now designated the M8, took on a reconnaissance role instead. Contract issues and minor design improvements delayed serial production until March of 1943. Production ended in June 1945, a total of 8,523 M8s and 3,791 M20 armored cars were built. The M8s and M20s were manufactured at Ford Motor Company plants in Chicago, Illinois, and St. Paul, Minnesota. The St. Paul plant built 6,397 M8s to Chicago's 2,126. The 3,791 M20s were produced at the Chicago plant only. Then you got some really neat pictures of the uh, M20 and M8 on the side there. I do like the the M20. I mean, it's literally just an M8 without the turret, but oh yeah, I'd love to have one. Although, weirdly enough, um, in my hobby store that I go to, <clears throat> they're selling the Tamiya M8 Greyhound and the M20 utility truck. And side oh. by side, the utility truck was more expensive than the Greyhound, and it's like. But it's it's literally the Greyhound with less stuff. Why does it cost yeah, more? Yeah, it's literally the same kit. They just didn't include the fucking turret. Does the M20 happen to have more interior details or? No, I don't think so. No, no it doesn't. That's <laughs> like, so it, stupid. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hang on a minute, this doesn't make sense. There wasn't like, much interior detail to begin with, anyways, and then they don't add much more. That's for the M20. That's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, but. It is funny that the M20 does look like a seriously good vehicle. Like it does, it does look good even without the turret. So, yeah, yeah it does. I mean, you got a fucking fifty on a rotating turret. I mean, that's fucking tits. I mean, that would make traffic uh, traffic jams a lot easier to go through. <laughs> All right. So, mission and operational performance part one. The cavalry reconnaissance troops assigned to infantry divisions and squadrons assigned to armor divisions were used at the discretion of a division or corps commander. They served as the eyes and ears of the unit. This required speed and agility. When on the march, the cavalry was to make contact with enemy forces at the earliest practical moment and maintain it thereafter. The reconnaissance troops identified hostile units and reported their strength, composition, disposition, and movement. During withdrawals, the cavalry often served as a screening force for the main units. That would suck. The M8 was not designed for offensive combat, and its firepower was adequate only against similar lightly armored enemy vehicles, bunkers, entrenchments, and infantry. Uh, as stated before, the with only the un, yeah with only the unarmored hull pan to serve as a floor armor, the M8 was particularly vulnerable to mines. This made it difficult to take the fight to the enemy in a lot of situations, as the Germans typically had fairly good defenses, including AT mines, AT guns with solid fields of fire, etc. I mean, what vehicle wasn't vulnerable to mines, <laughs> to be honest? Yeah, sure. or are, they talk are they meaning anti-personnel mines? In which case, I mean, that really sucks. I, I, I know they mentioned anti-tank mines. Like, these things would fucking go up if it oh, went over an AT mine. There'd be mine. nothing left. 
there on the right is actually a picture. I think that was from Italy. Uh, it's a M8 crew who was shot outside of their scout car. And that was one of the only destroyed pictures I could find of an M8. But it's like sitting there in the ditch. That would make for a really cool fucking diorama. Because in the back there. Yeah. What's up with the front of that M8? Uh, I think it got hit. Yeah, gonna, it's splintered uh, pretty good, too. Yeah, I was going to say, that's either a Canadian M8 <laughs> looking at the pattern, or that's where it got penetrated by something. I'm pretty sure that's where it got penetrated, because those are U.S. troops, and there was a couple of U.S. troops in the background I had to cut out to make the picture fit. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that... That was a low shot, hit too. It. Jesus. Yeah. What the hell was that that hit it? Because clearly it didn't detonate. Probably like a, maybe an armor-piercing ground from like a fucking Panzer IV or something. Yeah. I say it, like you said, it didn't detonate. It just punched right through and yeah. hit the poor bastard that was behind it. Ugh. Probably took his leg off and then took the leg off the commander and the gunner. and <laughs> <laughs> Took the engine out on the way out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If it hit the engine, that may have been solid enough to detonate it. Unless it was a solid shot and then... Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, Germans used at that time. No idea. All right. So, mission and operational performance part two. <clears throat> the M8 slash M20's other drawback was limited mobility in muddy slash broken terrain or heavily wooded areas. The use of wheels rather than continuous tracks like a tank gave it a higher ground pressure, which hampered its off-road performance in such terrain. Armored cavalry units preferred using the quarter-ton Willys Jeep in these environments. With its large turning radius, limited wheel travel, and open differentials, these problems limited its cross-country mobility and made the M8 susceptible to immobilization by off-road and off-chambered terrain. this led, operation, uh, this led operators to using the vehicle mostly on existing roads and paths, where it became vulnerable to ambushes. However, the performance of the MA on hard surfaces was exceptional, with the vehicle having a long range and able to consistently maintain its top speed of 55 miles an hour. As a vehicle, as a wheeled vehicle, the MA was generally more reliable than track vehicles on, of similar sizes, requiring far less maintenance and logistical support. Compared to that of tracked vehicles. Just keep that in mind for later. Hey, look, it's a Stug in its natural environment. That is exactly why I kept the Stug in the picture. I was hoping Don would be here to appreciate it, but I'll appreciate it later. You, you know what I love about the M8 Greyhound and then um, like a lot of us uh, American vehicles? All the stowage is on the outside. Yep. Like you can even see like a 50 cal belt hanging down the side. That. This is a cool diorama. That would be fucking awesome with a stug in the ditch. Yeah. Although I do the part of that building in the background there. And... Yeah. All right. So World War II Part One, the MA entered combat service with the Allies in 1943 during the invasion of Sicily. Its purpose was to serve as the primary basic command and communications combat vehicle of the U.S. Cavalry Reconnaissance Troops. It was subsequently used by the U.S. Army in Italy, Northwest Europe, and the Pacific. In the latter theater, it was used mostly on Okinawa and the Philippines and was even employed in its original tank destroyer role as most Japanese tanks had armor that was vulnerable to the 37mm gun 
aka they're bitches. So, yeah. <laughs> aka get ripped. <laughs> don't mess their boats. Uh, over 1,000 <laughs> were supplied via Lindley's to U.S. allies, the United Kingdom, Free France, and Brazil. In the European theater, the M8 received varied acceptance, and its on-road performance was generally good, and it was armed and armored well enough for reconnaissance missions. On the contrary, the turning radius was considered too wide, and the engine was considered underpowered, routinely experiencing problems such as overheating from being run at high output continuously and or having <laughs> its <laughs> ventilation <laughs> lovers obscured, obstructed by personal equipment stored <laughs> on the vehicle. That's such an American thing. That is not, uh, so that, that, that's user fucking, that's a user fair. issue, not a, it's like, yeah, this engine yeah. shit, we use, it's like this engine shit, we're using it wrong and it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, large numbers were regularly under repair gaining what a, the vehicle a reputation of being unreliable. What's up? Hey, they're copying the Germans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except our supplies can keep up. Yeah. And you don't have to take half the in, half the tank apart just to get to the transmission. Right. <laughs> Fucking krauts. Um, and off-road mobility, especially on soft ground like mud or snow, was poor. In the mountainous terrain of Italy and in the northwest European winter, the M8 was more or less restricted to roads, which greatly reduced its value as a reconnaissance vehicle. Then you get a dumbass picture of the M8 with a 50. Again, another great diorama you can make there yes. with the uh, the hedges on either side. Yes. And M... Is that an M3 Three? scout car behind it? I think so. Because the half-track version didn't have the that roller, did it? I don't know. It kind of looks like a half track, doesn't it? I'm not sure. I can't tell from how small the screen is. Hang on, let me yeah. make it bigger. I don't know because it could be uh, M5 half track or an M3 scout. I actually think it's a half track. Actually, I don't know. I can't tell. No, no, no. It's a scout car because it doesn't have that big ass fucking window. I don't think it does. I can't. I can't tell. Yeah, we need to reset because I, I, I always thought the half track didn't have the big. Roll ditch roller on the front, but what did it? Hmm, it did. I don't know. I'll need to look that up. Apparently, the M3 Scout car is an amazing vehicle to maintain. Apparently, it's super simple. American made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, World War Two Part Two. Ew. In February 1944, an add-on armor kit was designed to provide an extra quarter inch of belly armor to reduce landmine vulnerability. Another problem was that the commanders often used their reconnaissance squadrons for fire support missions for which the thinly armored M8 was ill-suited. When it encountered German armored reconnaissance units, the M8 could easily penetrate their armor with its 37mm gun. Conversely, its own thin armor was vulnerable to the 20mm autocannons that German scout cars were equipped with. <laughs> Due to, due to the mobility problems <laughs> with the M8, namely with regards to its suspension, boo, the U.S. Army's Special Armored Vehicle Board, who the fuck made that up, recommended that development of the new six-wheel armored car, which matched the M8's dimensions and size, but was equipped with an articulated, independently sprung suspension system. Two prototypes, the Studebaker developed T27 armored car, 
and the T-28 designed by Chevrolet were trialed by the U.S. and also reviewed by the British Armed Forces. Although the T-28 was standardized as the M-28 and marked for production by Ford, the new armored car program was shelved and then permanently canceled due to the end of the war. As funding for the new military development projects had plummeted, the fleet of M-8 and M-20 armored cars already available was then considered more than adequate for the post-war U.S. Army, which was demobilizing thousands of personnel and already had large numbers of stockpiles and equipment surplus in its requirements. Since when has that ever stopped the U.S.? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, have they ever heard of the military industrial complex? Like, come on, people, that's how we make money. I know. Uh, you know, when, you build seven, when you're building Abrams that go straight to the graveyard. Right. <laughs> I, I just want to say this. The T-27 gives me BMP-70 vibes. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. The, the, the M-28, that thing's slapping. That thing looks yeah. good. Looks like a fucking... Like you said earlier, the goddamn uh, KV-1 turret on a fucking ran- Range Rover or something. Yeah. Land Rover. I, I love the fact that it's got an actual wind windscreen as well with a wiper. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Driver comfort, baby. Yep. yep. I just, I don't know what I think is funny. is the U.S. Army asked for a six-wheeled vehicle and Studebaker's like, how about eight? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we had a couple spares, so we just chucked them on. <laughs> like, I don't mind six, but look at this. <laughs> it's like, but what about eight? <laughs> All right, so well, that's some good pictures. Yes, so looking through reference photos for the uh, M8 and M20, which makes me really want to build another one. Uh, found some cool photos. So the top left, I'll go top left to right, and then bottom left to right. Top left, you got a Greyhound in Italy, and then you have a Greyhound in the Philippines hunting for a sniper. Then you get a Greyhound that is recaptured by the Americans that was once captured by the Germans, which that would make a really cool diorama. Then you've got a Greyhound on the bottom left during the Battle of the Bulge with snow chains on this tire. Then you got a uh, M20, which was, I believe that was in Normandy? I can't remember. And then an M20... Also Normandy. So, fun stuff. Huh, right outside That's the Hotchkiss uh, plant. That's cool. Huh? Uh, the picture Hodge. of uh, the, the bottom left. It's like, that, that is a great reference of how snow can pack into tires. There's no snow packing yes. into the tread, but all around the hub there is snow packing. Yes. That is cool. And the whitewash. That whitewash is sexy. Fucking tech. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is cool. I- I bet you if you made a model exactly like that with the snow not packed in the treads but backed in the fucking will, will people would bitch. I'd be like, that's not actually how that works. Snow doesn't yeah. work like that. That's not how weathering is. Also, look that's at the... Fil- pr- yeah. Oh, I say that's when you print out the picture and uh, set it next to it. Right? Yeah, never <laughs> look at it. I like the Philippine one. Look at the mud on the uh, rear t- the rear um, fender. Yeah. On the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get that on the outside? That's a, probably turning to the left really sharp and then hitting a puddle or yeah. something maybe I, li- yeah. I like how they're, they're hunting for a sniper and that dude is just sitting out in the open <laughs> the same with the guy to the left of him yeah just it's there. just like <laughs> sitting there it's like we're hunting a sniper it's like okay you do you are you sure or are you being bait like come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's the difference <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd like to find more reference photos of uh 
Pacific Theater stuff, like the the Greyhound and Shermans and shit, because that stuff is so cool. Yeah, Pacific the Pacific Theater did not get enough uh, attention from modeling. It does not, which is so sad because there's so many great things people could do. I know yeah. it's like <laughs> foreshadowing. I want more U.S. Marine kits. Yes, yes. You know, I how... want some like yeah resin printed combat posed marines and soldiers and new zealanders and australians and filipino resistance and japanese like that shit would be fucking tits i mean i'll take anything at this point yeah <laughs> like even even like the burma bloody theater you know you had the uh, the sikhs and stuff like that and the gurkhas oh, yeah you know i don't think i've ever seen a indian uh service uh figure ever um I, I've actually made one and a Gurkha in the same kit. It's the Dragon Monte Casino uh, figures. Oh. You got two, because uh, you can change them out to, you can have all four as Sikh, all four as British, all four as Gurkhas, or you can mix and match, which I did. I did two British, a Gurkha, and a Sikh in one diorama. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that, that think... yeah. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I think, like, that's the... Why do I want to say, like, something like Master Box has brought out some Sikh soldiers? I'm I sure I've seen another company Master... that do them. Yeah, I think Master Box also did uh, a group of, uh, where they'd be Turkish uh, soldiers with the fezes and... Oh, yeah, that that's cool. I would love to have that. Eh, except they was probably some of the most brutal SS soldiers ever but yeah but rule of cool they have affairs oh true, true. <laughs> you, you know what i would love to see what somebody like tamia or <coughs> tacom uh doing like a series of both japanese and marines a series of battle battle of tarwa like because tarwa lasted three days right so they could do like a series uh like I two can... kits per side so four kits each day of like different vehicles and shit that were on the island because there were a lot of Shermans mm. that they could go after, a lot of really great infantry stuff, and then the Japanese stuff as well. Like they could have like a destroyed Zero on the fucking runway, uh, like anti tank gun. That, that should be so fucking cool. Make it like a series. Well, actually, that would be quite good because the the Japanese on Tarawa weren't army. No, they were the uh, the, uh, naval, they, infantry, the right? naval infantry. Which mm-hmm. do did they have a different? Uniform to the standard army, or were they like basically same samesies? Uh, I'm pretty, pretty sure they had same. a different uniform. Really, I thought they was pretty much the same. I think it was a lighter green color, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, uh, if they had a different uniform, they have to bring out that because you know you <laughs> like there's not enough Japan. There isn't enough Pacific War stuff. You know, Japanese, U.S. Marines, all of that. We need more, dude. I've so I got that uh, the Bloody Alto series from Masterbox, uh, the U.S. Marine Corps Infantry on Tarwa kit for Christmas. Nice. Because of uh, a build I'm doing soon. And, like, yeah, it's great that Masterbox does this, but, like, the molds are old as shit. Like, I'm looking at them right now, and they're so fucking bad. Like, they're huh. going to need a lot of fucking work to make them look nice. Which is whatever. I mean, I'll happily do it. But, like, it's just, oh, God, shouldn't have to. There should be newer stuff. Like, that was such a big theater in the war. 
I know, and it's, it's so not, big. That's like they call it America's War, not the European theater. Like the Pacific was America's War. <sighs> you'd think there'd be like be more to it. That'd be like so. a big market. <laughs> like the amount of like, because that's something else too. Like Tamiya, for example, could really run with that. With the amount of different, like they have, they already have a bunch of Shermans. If they wanted to be cheap, which I don't think they would, with how they're free tooling kits. They can make new Shermans in different Sherman variants in the Pacific. Yeah, but like the wood sides and. But Tamiya being from Japan, wouldn't that be a conflict of interest? I mean, (laughs) they said they was never gonna produce a kit of the Lightning since it was playing that shot down Yamamoto, but they did that eventually anyway. Yeah, because they knew how much money they'd get from it. And uh, I would want to buy another one because it is a excellent kit. Is that the one that's got the uh, the. It's that pilot that had the portrait of his wife, and then they got the the, de- the decal for that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the new one they brought out in 48th? I'm not sure about the new one. They brought out, a, I swear they brought out a new one, and the decal it was for a specific pilot, and his nose art for his lightning was a portrait of his wife. And it was like, yeah. takes up a large area, and they did that decal. It looks really good. I think I that was the new one they released. Uh, Tamiya did come out with a set of Japanese officers, um, I think a year, year and a half ago. I got it. It's actually very nice for uh, Tamiya figures. And they've also got uh, the 35th scale, the Japanese fire team, mm. uh, the Japanese army infantry, which uh, I mean, yep. I'm looking at them right now, and they're they're okay. They're not really. Like, compared to the German figures from, like, the 70s, they're better. Like, they'd be a lot so. easier to work with. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? Do you know what I want? Like, you, you know, later war Japanese, when they had, you see them and they got the foliage um, sticking off the, their uh, gear and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Like, I want that as figures. You know, like, Japanese um, soldiers, like, in jungles with the foliage and stuff like that on them. That would be cool. Yeah. Just get a... Get some photo etch, uh, uh, photo etch plants. You see mm. the problem with that? You lost me at photo etch. Yeah, well, not okay, only well, that, then... but like the problem with that is like we shouldn't have to fucking. I know. <sighs> <clears throat> gonna get uh, look up diorama precipe. A what? Diorama precipe. What the fuck, Dio? Diorama. Uh, put a photo. It? Put a picture in podcast planning. <laughs> oh wait, I found uh, it. Oh, there, there you go. Home video games. Da, 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 da. Okay, what about? Oh shit. Uh, that is uh, where I get my uh, foliage from. They Holy are shit. they are excellent. Roots and oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I think Garrison's about to spend all the money he's been saving up. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> Look at this shit. <clears throat> Who cares Holy... about a mortgage payment? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We'll move somewhere else. <laughs> God damn. Uh, what I do is, it's like when I buy stuff, uh, instead of like going through like the hundreds of stuff that he actually has in his shop, I get on his Etsy store, and I buy the uh, large... Uh, uh, random box, which is like $80, but you get like $120 worth of stuff. It's just you just don't get to pick it. That's cool. Dude. Dude, he's got a fucking apple tree. Oh my god. 
palm trees. Garrison's making an orchid. An orchid. (laughs) Bro. Dude, this shit is insane. For 20 bucks? Oh my god. You shouldn't have have shown this to me. (laughs) I know. I've told you about this guy before. (laughs) Clint, Beth is going to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to say, when we see each other in fucking October again, my Beth is going to kill you. She'll, be, she'll walk up to Clint be like, hey, Clint, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> where's my money gone? Where's Garrison money, mentioned man? your where's name. <laughs> Shoots me in both kneecaps. <laughs> oh, my God. They got a fucking lamppost for like, oh, my, that is great. I swear I've never heard anyone get excited about a lamppost before. You know how many times I've looked for like proper lampposts to put in dioramas that aren't like I have to 3D print myself and I can't find any because they're all railroad scale? Or mini art. Or mini art. Yeah, fuck that shit. I say get on his Etsy page, man. It's uh, shipping's cheaper and everything on on his Etsy. Where, how do I find his Etsy? Just search diorama, press the pay on Etsy. Okay. Okay, we'll have to do. I'll have to do that later. We got a podcast to record. <laughs> Fuck. Right. So you, you can cream yourself later. Yeah, You're getting flustered over here. Shit. Be like, right. Beth will be like, Garrison, are you looking at pinups again? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there is an apple tree in there too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Post World War II Part One. After the war, many of the U.S. Army's M8 and M20s were marked off as surplus and donated or sold to various countries, especially under the Foreign Military Assistance Program. Most of the remaining vehicles stayed in service with the United States and various Western European nations. M8s were also used by American Canadian occupation forces in Korea, which later donated them to the f- fledging Republic of Korea Army's 1st Armored Cavalry Regiment. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Most M8s and M20s remaining in the U.S. service had been allocated to one of five reorganized armored cavalry regiments by the early 1950s. The others were utilized by military police assholes, which deployed them during the Korean War for guarding static installations and escorting prisoners. A small number of M20s were mobilized by the U.S. and South Korean forces as assault vehicles equipped with ring-mounted flamethrowers during the conflict. <laughs> badass. <laughs> All the U.S. Army M8s and M20s were retired from active duty at age due to age and increasing obsol- obsolescence. Ah, God, I can't say that word. Obsolescence. At- Thank you. Shortly after the Korean War, the majority of decommissioned vehicles were then shipped abroad as aid to various armies, especially the French Far East Expeditionary Corps, save for a small number which were retained by Army National Guard units. Now, when the Army National Guard units retired them a few years later, an undisclosed number were purchased by domestic police departments and modified for riot control purposes, which you can see there on the right. Oh, that's cool. Hell yeah. Thought you guys would like that. Although I'm more interested in the ring-mounted flamethrower. Yeah, I figured yeah. like that too. <laughs> where's where's that <laughs> option on here? Yeah, where's, where's that photo? That's cool. <laughs> Sold out. <laughs> and if you ask why a police department needs something like this, 
it is the same. Imagine your football team over there losing. It's the same here. When a college football team loses, especially a big game, it's like, idiots go nuts. Bro, can you <laughs> imagine, like, being an inmate scout crewman if, during, like, all of World War II? You get out, you go work at some fucking manual labor job, and then later on you're like, fuck it, I'm going to join the police force, and then, like, you get put with a fucking greyhound again. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> this what, what? piece of shit. Can you imagine yeah, that? Right. They got, they got the, the state police ones, and suddenly in North, in uh, somewhere in Korea, a whole uh, battalion get their uh, M20s. It's like, hang on, why has it got state police written on it? Meanwhile, the police get the M20s with the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. We like, turn on the hose. <laughs> Let's light this candle. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what colors they painted that because you can see the hull is dark definitely blue. black, but what's the top? No, no, the the hull was dark blue. Oh, yeah. yeah, it looked weird. I mean, that would no, look kind of cool. It looks weird. It does not look right. Doesn't it? <laughs> not a, I'm gonna not have to search all. up a color photo of it. <laughs> You'll have to. There's like two of them I found. It, it, it did not look good. That's why I didn't add them. <laughs> Yeah, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, There's one of it being loaded onto a trailer that's colorized. Utility car uh, police. Man, looking it's... at these Japanese figures, I kind of want to build them. Can't, God damn it, Garrison. can't find one in any police colors. Uh, oh, oh. You found it? <laughs> well, I, found, I found something that's blue, a modified... Great. What did someone do to this poor thing? <laughs> what have they done? I'll, I'll post. I'll, I'll, I'll post this in um, podcast planning. This thing is. Oh, that poor M8. <laughs> what have they done to it? I think I know the one you're talking about. Oh, hang on. Uh, podcast planning image and sending it. Oh. Oh God! What the <laughs> fuck? That is so Eastern European. That is so Holy shit. Uh, that, that poor uh, baby. I mean, looks like something you see in Fallout. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, if you if you imagine find... you stirred in one and like your neighbor brings that home and you're just looking at it like, what the fuck did they do to my baby? <laughs> They made it better. <laughs> God. All right. Post World War II, Part Two. <clears throat> France was the largest post-war operator of the M8 slash M20 series after the United States, having received hundreds of the vehicles as American aid between 45 and 54. During the first Indonesian War, many second-hand examples were shipped directly from the U.S. to Indonesia, where they were deployed for rural patrols and road reconnaissance. These remained in service in Indonesia until the end of the war when they were donated to the Army of Republic of Vietnam, ARVN. The French Foreign Legion also utilized the M8 during the Algerian War, where it was superseded first by the Panhard EBR and subsequently by the Panhard AML in counterinsurgency operations. The EBR was... Accepted as a generic replacement for all remaining inmates by the French military in 1956. 
Between 1956 and 1964, the remaining M8s and M20s were donated to the mobile uh, gendarmerie, yeah, whatever, as well as the armies of several former French colonists. I just want to say, Garrison, you're saying Indonesia, you meant to say Indochina, which is Vietnam. Yeah. We're going to get a lot of people saying it's not Indonesia, it's Indochina, which is Vietnam. Oh, Christ, yeah, my bad. Putting it on record, don't worry, we, we meant Indochina, don't worry, don't email us. <laughs> anyway. I'm off my sleep schedule, suck my cock. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, ARVN, M8 and M20 saw considerable action during the Vietnam War. However, by 1962, the U.S. noted the attrition rate of the fleet was becoming high due to age. What, cat? Fuck off. <laughs> Did y'all hear my cat cry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck your podcast. I'm hungry. <laughs> it's essentially what he's doing. All right. Uh, fuck, where was I? Okay. This resulted in a proposal to fund the design and production of a new purpose-built armored car for the South Vietnamese government. The Cadillac Cage Gauge Commando. The Commando series began to replace the M8 and M20 in ARVN service from the mid-1960s onward. A small number of the older armored cars were still held by the ARVN series or reserves as late as 1975. These were inherited by the People's Army of Vietnam after the war. <laughs> Another <Inherited>. country... <laughs> Right. <laughs> Another country which received a substantial number of ex-American inmates following the war was Belgium, which received them as part of a NATO military assistance program. The inmates were adopted primarily by the Belgian Air Component, which issued them to base security units and force public. I don't know how to say that in the Belgian Belgian Congo. Following Congolese in independence. Several of the force public whatever inmates fell into the hands of the. I feel like I'm reading the fucking Old Testament. Goddamn the Catan Guise separatists, while Catanese. others were. <laughs> thank you. While others were repurposed for peacekeeping operations by the United Nations operation in the Congo. And okay, the M8 with the uh, the camo. I gotta know what colors they put in because if that's a Congo one, they did some interesting things. They did, and it is a Congo one. I guess a. Uh... Oh, okay. I was about to say it's like the next slide, so I'm going to say greens and browns. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. What have they done to it? Yeah. So. <laughs> what have they done to that in the middle photo? What is that? <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> it's missing some wheels. <laughs> <laughs> the continued proliferation of M8 and M20s during the late 1960s and the 70s resulted in American and French defense contractors offering several commercial upgrade kits to extend their service life. At least 10 countries. Okay, forgive me for my fucking butchering this entire episode. Cameroon, Cameroon, Cyprus, Ethiopia, El Salvador, Guatemala, Haiti, Jamaica, Morocco, Venezuela, and Ziar, whatever the fuck, modernized their M8 and M20 fleets with diesel engines and new transmissions during this time. The National Army of Colombia, cocaine, also invested heavily <laughs> in upgrading the M8 turrets armament, having it replaced by a single 50 cal machine gun and a launcher for BGM-71 tow anti-tank missiles. 
In the late 1960s, Brazil developed an upgraded M8 with an articulated suspension, new gearbox, and a new engine built with parts that could be sourced locally. This project spawned a series of Indonesian prototypes, including a bizarre indigenous variant. <laughs> God damn, I'm sorry, I can't read. Indigenous prototypes, including a bizarre four-wheeled variant of the M8 chassis known as the VBB and other more conventional six-wheel design known as the VBR2. The latter subsequently evolved into the first Brazilian manufactured armored car, the EE-9 whatever. Cascavel, I Thank think you. it is. Yeah. That, that, that four-wheel thing, it looks like one of those vehicles that comes out of Ghana or something like that. That's, that's yeah, the they just, Yeah, They just slapped it together from spare parts. Yeah, it looks horrendous as hell. So you can see the on the left, obviously, the M8, and then in the middle is the VBB, and on the right there, I believe that was the VBR-2. Okay, the Dash 2 looks good. I'll give yeah, it that. It looks like some HIDF shit. They've, they, they clearly upgraded the gun on it. I reckon that's the 75 on it now. It kind of Likely, looks like yeah. they used a Panzer III turret. I oh my see god, that. it does. I mean, not yeah, the gun, uh, but... Uh, yeah, and Dude, like the, really the angles does. around it. That, that, yeah. yeah. I think the... Uh, I think they Fuck did. The I think they uh, at did. Least they, at least heavily influenced by it. Yeah. We like what they did in Eastern Europe. That's I mean, you know... It was made in Brazil, you know. I'm sure there might have been a someone influencing the design of that tank. A, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking. You, about you that. know, just <clears throat> there might there might have been someone in the design team. <clears throat> Argentina. <laughs> Who do we know in Argentina? <laughs> oh God! The strange, uh, strange small man with a weird haircut came over and started telling us what to do in a funny accent. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Uh. <laughs> Models of the wonderful M8-M20. Okay. These were the first ones that popped up when I fucking Googled it. it sucked me <sighs> off. I don't care. Tamiya M8, the old version. Tamiya M8 1-48 scale. And Tamiya M8 newer with a bunch of extra shit. And then you got uh, bolt action M8 and M20 scout car. Rubicon models. And Italeri. Uh, also, Tamiya also do the M20, which <clears throat> is just the old, the old uh, Greyhound, but without a turret. Yep, and a higher price point. <clears throat> Sorry, totally not salty about that. <clears throat> Continue. <laughs> All right, so these are the models we've built. As far as I know, there's only been two of us that have built them. Myself, this is mine. It's supposed to be a M8 Greyhound in Normandy. Uh, okay, I do remember build. this build. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was actually really fucking fun. Which one was that? It was the... That push on Cherbourg. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, this yep. turned out really good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm fairly happy with it. And then the uh, the next one is going to be made by Don. He made this a Canadian uh, command car, I believe it was. Uh, I could not find interior pictures. that I, I wasn't going to go back in the Discord and look, because that would have been forever ago. But I could not find them on his page, and it was like last second before we started recording, I put them up. So, but he did a lot of work on the inside of this thing. I, I remember really that good. a lot of bitching about it. Yes. Oh yes, a yeah. lot of bitching. <laughs> a lot of. But bitching. he did really good. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. 
I hit that blanking off of the uh, turret looks really good with like the welds and stuff. It does. He did an excellent job. God damn. I like the brain gun sun on top too. Yeah. Alright, now it's intermission. I need to go I need to go get another drink. So we're just gonna have a quick intermission. Thank you, Garrison, for the uh M eight presentation. It was very oh, good. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for letting me do it. I love so, the M eight. We're gonna be back with uh the standard model news and whips and stuff like that. So we'll be back in a sec. All right, and we are back this time. We're up with the uh, the old hobby news. So let's see what's new on the menu. And up first from Copper State Models, in 1 to 30 second scale, we have a Henriot HD-1. This is their CAD renderings of a World War One biplane. Looks pretty cool. They're dipping into the uh, 30 second scale biplanes now, probably because they're running out of World War One armored cars. It's still sticking to the World War One theme, though. I yeah, do. I cool. respect that. Another, Definitely. another something else that doesn't get a lot of attention. World War One. Yes. But yeah, so uh, might need to look up the uh, the Hen Henriet Henriet. I don't know, but yeah, looks very good. From oh. Amusing hobby, we have a T90 AK with the uh, PTK uh, Russian commander tank. Where's the coke cage? Uh. <laughs> you got to make that yourself, just like them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, looks pretty good. Um, well, it'd look even better if you paint it black and put a big hole in it, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> have the turret, you know, reaching the first layer of the atmosphere. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Hashtag> <laughs> or just Russian or space program, or just have the T ninety in the foreground and in the background, just put an M two Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that Bradley fucked it up. I would hate oh, to be yeah. the guys inside just having the twenty fives just hitting constantly. Oh, dude, you know their fucking heads are. They got TBIs out the ass. Yeah, that's yeah they. <laughs> Sorry, your injury is not service related. <laughs> right? Russian version of the VA is like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. It's, it's like, like bro. Here's, it's like, here's the video. This is what it was like inside. <laughs> dung, dung, dung. It's like, <laughs> it's but, like yeah, that wasn't you. Like, what? <laughs> I hit the tree. Look. <laughs> it's like, you can see me climbing out from the drone footage as I'm running away from the grenade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not service related. <laughs> How good is a hu- uh, amusing hobby? Have you guys built anything from there? I must say, I've heard they're fairly decent, actually. Yeah, like the, they don't they just do like short run stuff, don't they? Uh, or like they do the more obscure thing things. Yeah, but they do a lot of obscure stuff. Might have to try and buy one. I think they Although, do a lot of E series tanks still. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, T ninety AK with PTK. I don't know what that means. It looks like ah, their their version variant. of a crow system with a uh, a PK machine gun instead. Yeah, I think it's I think it is their anti uh, tank defense or whatever. Yeah, our missile defense system. All right, Some fucking goofy shit. Moving on, uh, here's a release that I'm really excited for from IBG. We have in 72nd scale a Romanian IAR80 fighter. 
this is one of the few Romanian built uh, aircraft from the war. It's very long, narrow, looks cool as fuck though. I seriously want one, uh, especially because uh, IGB is making it. I want it even more so. Um, yeah, the IAR, not a lot known about it, but it's a really cool looking aircraft, I think. <sighs> looks a little bit like a judge jug. It's kind of like a, for me, it's like a, a Focke-Wulf 190 mixed with, I want to say, a LA-5 or LA-7. Okay, I see that. Yeah, but very cool. Uh, can't wait for this uh, release just because, you know, Romanian army, uh, Romania not really represented a lot in the Second World War, although they went around a lot. They still had a lot of things. Like they have some very weird. The Romanians had some interesting um, tanks as well that they built themselves. Actually, even the Hungarians had some cool tanks. The the uh, Turins. Yeah. We need more of them stuff. But anyway, diverging. I um, yeah, IBG IAR eighty, and I believe the IAR eighty two is coming out. This one's for Garrison. From Tamiya, new tool yes. of a 35th scale German machine gun team, mid-World War II. Mm. Uh, five figures. Uh, we have two guys with a tripod-mounted MG34 with a periscope on it. Very mm. cool action pose. And mm. we have an MG42 um, gunner with a guy with uh, ammo boxes and another guy behind him with an MP40. So... Tamiya finally bringing out some brand new figures, and their their new figures are really good. Not like their mm. 1970s <laughs> dark period. Mm. You almost finished there, Garrison? You need a couple more minutes? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> you get a moist towel or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all seriousness, though. I've seen these figures built. They look fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, especially wait. the uh, the MG34 um, tripod mount. That's just sick. Yeah, that looks cool. Be a bitch and a half to paint, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, up next. I wonder from, what it could be. <laughs> from Border, they uh, haven't released any box arts or anything like <laughs> that, but they will be bu- make releasing a 35th scale Boeing B17G Flying Fortress. Of course. Uh, at the same time as uh, Masters of the Year. So that's just good time. I think they probably uh, were going to release this and then Masters of the Year coming out, so they were probably timing it right. But a 35th scale B-17, it will be massive. And I would love to have one. I mean, a B-17 is just an awesome aircraft, so having one in 35th scale with like full interiors and all of that, just, oh, love to have one. If I could just get the no section, that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, do you know what would be cool? Like, if they could get, like, you know, have the no section scaled up to maybe even 1 16th, or even, like, the the ball turret, and have that uh, scaled up and then hyper-detailed, that would be pretty cool, so you can have a look inside it. Oh, yeah. They should kind of do... They should start doing that. Like, you know how they did that with uh, shipped turrets? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, if they did that with, like, interesting aircraft parts, you didn't have the entire aircraft, but you had, like, a section of it enlarged and hyper-detailed. I think that would be really cool as well. Yeah. I think it was Edward at one time. They was making like 1 16th scale uh, uh, instrument panels or something like that. Really? Yeah. That's cool. 
of course, you know, I'm still holding out for a a uh, large scale. Um, speaking of the ships, I want a was it an octo 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 mount pom uh, pom. Having that in thirty fifth will be awesome. Right. So from oh, fuck, hang on. I need to search up the name of this one. It's escaped my mind completely. Good thing about being an editor is I can edit out all the parts that I sound ridiculous in. Booze, titties, mommy milkers. These are just some of the things that Garrison loves. (laughs) (laughs) Big floppy donkey dick. Hey, don't (laughs) spread your insecurities on me. Speaking of insecurities... Oh, come on. Uh, My goddamn laptop is just breaking. Check out a podcast planning for insecurities. Hey, it's a selfie of you. Uh, <laughs> Price seems a bit high. How for much? For $37? Yeah, with $17 shipping? Oish. I mean, that's kind of the lower end, actually, if you believe it or not. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, which is sad. I don't oh, understand damn. why Dragon is like started like thinking their sh- old kits are made of gold now. Well, because they're so rare these days. Like, think about it. Like, even at the model show we were at, fucking people were selling Dragon kids for expensive money. <laughs> yeah, they're all what five vendors that was there. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dragon kits are great and they're awesome. And they have a lot oh, of yeah. great stuff, but. Like fuck, make them fucking affordable shit. I mean, yeah, that. I mean, that's a lot cheaper than compared to, uh, like trying to find out an actual hobby store. Oh, dude, if I went to like Hobby Town and that thing was there, it'd probably be like ninety bucks. Oh yeah, there was uh, I forget what tiger it was, but they had it at Hobby Town a couple weeks ago when I went, and they was wanting ninety five dollars for the damn thing. Oh fuck! Was it the Tiger Two and fuck, or the Tiger One and uh, no Tiger Two and the Ardens? Uh, no, no, it was I, I remember which one was that was Tiger One that was uh, come with the uh, Whitman. Oh, for fuck's sakes! Whitman, our hero. Via here for the viewer. Ah, here it is. I found the name. Right, <clears throat> back to it. Uh, so from Vellum. In 72nd scale, they are bringing out an Avro Anson C-19. This is the uh, Royal Air Force Air Support Command variant of the uh, Avro Anson. Looks pretty damn cool. Um, Although painting white like that would be a bitch and a half. Up next, from Magic Factory, we have, in 35th scale, an M-10 Booker. That was fucking fast. Well, I mean, you know... I don't know how they managed to get all their... Uh, like, there's got to be something that's wrong with it, because they surely they can't get full access to one of these, can they? There's like, got to be something wrong. Yeah, like, they, they got to. But... Uh, check uh, the Minecraft servers. <laughs> <laughs> the forums, yeah. <laughs> have you have you guys seen the uh, Inside the Chieftain's Hatch on the uh, this or the other one that they're working on? Uh-uh. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, you see, like on the front there, and then round on the corners and all of that. You see these little recesses. Mm. Yeah. 
those are all cameras for the driver. So the driver driver will have a screen and you can access every single camera. There's cameras all around all around this thing that he has access to. And eventually they eventually they're looking at a full VR system. So wherever the driver looks around, you know, looks like he's looking out the outside of the tank. There's no screen or anything. Which will be weird. Bit disconcerting, but it'd be like the fucking Apache pilot. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's the idea. You'd look around and you can it will just uh, merge seamlessly with all the cameras. You can look around and not have need to use um, visors or anything like that. But that's actually dope as shit. Yeah. yeah so don't stop parking. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then you true. just got a periscope. Bro, uh, but just imagine the 360 security you could have with that guy. Oh yeah, that's. I think that's the whole point of it. Is you know, tanks you're not supposed to see a lot out of because otherwise it defeats the purpose. Um, <clears throat> I wonder with this though. Um, the Booker and the other one, their engine is a power pack which you open out the back the back of it, and it slides out on rails. The whole engine it disconnects by like three, like you disconnect the uh, the diff, and then the whole power pack just slides out as one, and it sits on rails, and you have Abram's like f- the same way. Yeah, and you have like full access to it. It's um. The way they do it is pretty cool and would be a mechanic's dream. I can tell you that. But I wonder if they'd model that because that would, that would be cool or if you can only do this closed. Oh. I don't know. But nice to see something new coming out. Magic Factory have got some very interesting... They're brand new and they've got some very interesting subjects already. Talk about keep a... Uh, Keep an eye out for them. Wonder what next. Definitely. So this is cool. Gecko models, Gecko models in 16th scale are bringing out a universal carrier Mark II. Uh, this comes with a 40 millimeter two pounder um, in the uh, truck. And I think it's attached on it. I don't think it's one that disassembles. Uh, however, figures will not be uh, included. Neither is the V8 engine that sits between the driver and the uh, co-driver. So that's a bit of a downside. But uh, otherwise, um, something like a universal carrier is for 16th scale is definitely a uh, a good idea. Uh, it does have photo etch and a the it does have full interior details for the driver's compartment and all of that, as well as uh, workable tracks. So. I'm Very sure cool. aftermarket to catch on. Oh yeah, yeah. Also from Gecko, following the 16th scale trend, we have a German 7.7.5 centimeter Pack 40 anti-tank gun early production. So, yeah, Pack 4, Pack 40 and 16th scale, good idea. But yeah. uh, I think a box well, art looks good. A box yeah, art looks good, good but. I don't. There, there wouldn't be any figures corresponding with it, would there? No, no. that's made. So I don't know. Something like an anti-tank gun definitely needs figures to go with it. It'll, they look yeah. weird by yeah. themselves. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be releasing figure sets later on. You'd hope. Mm, unlikely, but you'd hope. Yeah. However, camo scheme on that, that gun, pretty cool. 
I, I do like the box art. Like, I would print the box art out and put it up on the wall. It looks fucking cool. I'm telling you, they need to start including a poster of the box art in the box themselves. Yes. I just wonder where they have live shells sitting in front of the gun, though. Because why not? <laughs> I wonder if they put, like, pack 40 into, like, an AI generator, and then that pops up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from Flyhawk, in 1-700 scale, we have an HMS Achilles. Uh, Achilles, uh, 1939. This is a British light cruiser. And uh, they're also releasing a deluxe edition. I've desperately got to get my hands on this. The Achilles is a cool uh, cool ship, and I really want to try a Flyhawk uh, ship. Apparently, they're supposed to be really, really good. I wasn't aware that they was even still making kits. I think they bring out the occasional one. They mainly do aftermarket, don't they? Yeah. They're sort of like it's always a Flyhawk um, photo etch set or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we have uh, HMS Achilles. I'm trying to think what class that is. I want to say it's like a Fiji class cruiser. Which, if it is, they Fiji class came out around 1939. And for a light cruiser, they pack a shit ton of um, armament. They're really cool. Let's say you got two turrets in the front, and looks like a two, two in the, the back, room. and I think two in the back, and I think they're triples. I think uh, they're triple mounts, or no, these are doubles. Yeah, it looks double. Yeah, so it can't be a Jamaica class then, uh, Fiji class, but still, still, that's a lot of firepower. Yeah, and still a great looking ship as well, and great box art as well. I love that. What's the ship sinking in the background? <laughs> <laughs> uh, something German, probably. Probably. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, from Ming, they are bringing out an F, a Lockheed Martin F thirty five A. Sorry, F thirty five I A D I R Israeli Defense Force. Um, in forty eight scale. And yeah, it's a th- uh, F-35. If Dennis was here, he'd be very excited. I'm not. <laughs> They're not exciting, I think. I, I just <laughs> I just wonder, like, my tax dollars went to that. I mean, the only thing I got against the F-35 is we spent so much time and energy out at work working out the, all the kinks in the F-22 program. Just be like, all right, okay, that that's done. Yeah, we still need replacement parts, but uh, we need to concentrate on the F-35 now. It's like, like, I, feel, I feel sorry for the <laughs> F-22. The F-22 got shafted. It did. It like, why, can't, why don't they use it ever? No nah, idea. It's a, yeah, it's a pity. Uh, from Trumpeter, they are bringing out a Fairy Fulmer, uh, Britain's first... Uh, f- official naval aircraft uh, fighter, which um, didn't actually do as well because, you know, you have a fighter with an extra person as an observer in it, so it was a bit uh, sluggish and underpowered, but uh, made for a great... It's like a fucking um, sightseeing plane. Yeah. It did make for a great uh, gun platform similar to the Hurricane. Just It's got eight 303s in the wings, and it was stable as anything. So if it lined up behind something, it would just pump rounds and rounds and rounds into it. 
eventually it got uh, replaced by the Seafire. But I really want a Fairy Fulma because I think they look great. And oh, this this is really cool looking. Yeah, the Fulma like is not is slightly bigger than a Hurricane, but not too much. It's um. Yeah, it looks to me. It looks like they took the front end of a hurricane and then, like, part of the fuselage of a BF one hundred and ten, and smated mm. them together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Fulmar looks it does look hurricane ish, even though they're two different companies. So, because I think they oh, turned... like it's got the same <clears throat> elliptical rings. Yeah, they turned the Fulmar into the Firefly, and it became a ground attack version, which did well i think so oh cool yeah so i hope uh, i hope they bring out one of those as well but that's it for uh, hobby news we'll uh, move on to the old uh, whip section because we've got some pretty cool stuff in the whips i can't wait garrison you're up <laughs> <clears throat> all right gents <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you. <laughs> I've been waiting for this all the, the whole time. <laughs> That's you a know, nice figure you've got there, uh, Garrison. How's it? How how'd you paint that one? <laughs> you know what sounds really good right now. You know what sounds like it tastes great. My 380. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's a joke. I love the fact that Vista Create, I've got the vision that I can remove backgrounds. I've, I've been abusing that. I love it. Obviously. <laughs> Just remember, if you're going to suck on a 38, do that shit outside. Think about the poor bastard that has to clean that mess up. Hey, I'd be generous, okay? I'd put up a nice blue tarp on the floor and the wall. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so with the exception of this fucking anime fuck. Uh, I've been working on the North Africa group build, reluctantly, because I really am sick and tired of building on it. But I'm getting close to being done. I've got the, unif- the Universal Carrier painted up with the decals on and uh, a pin wash on right now. This was right after I applied the pin wash. Didn't go too terribly heavy on most of it. Mostly the heaviness comes to the uh, the running gear and the inside. And then uh, the base there, you can kind of see. Fucking anime fag. The uh, <laughs> Painted up. There's a little bit of overspray at the base of the tree and on some of the plants a little bit. That will be fixed with uh, weathering. Right now, there's a pin wash or a nice oil wash on it. Letting that sit for a few days before I uh, I do some weathering and then uh, matte coat it all. Very nice. Very cool. Like, I'm loving the uh, Universal Carrier. The uh, camouflage on it is amazing. Oh yeah! Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And the rhino, that—that's. It's like the decals look great. They did no silvering that I can see. Nah, and that the fifty-six you managed to merge in with the damage pretty well as well. That looks oh, yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that wouldn't be too much of a fuck up when I was I because I I used a lighter to to kind of melt the plastic a little bit and bend it, and I was like, man, I really hope the decals sit well in this, and I I had no problems. So. It, Set very well. <laughs> yeah, very well. All right, next we hey, look, got the Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Hitler. If Hitler and Eugene Sludge from the Pacific HBO series had a baby and was British, um, 
So we got the figures. This is before I added pigments. This was after a pin wash. The front and back of all the figures. I'm fairly pleased with them. They're not 100% accurate. Their kits are just a slight greenish hue too much. Uh, but it's it's close enough. I'm fine with it. Um, it's like the one yeah. downside to painting um, British is their webbing and uniform were so close in color that, yeah. Oh, dude, painting was, the Aston model. It yeah, was, you, you yeah, it was killing me. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I was looking at it, I was like, fucking Christ, this is insane. It's like, but, will <laughs> you guys please think of us 80 years later? <laughs> right. <laughs> we need some color variation here. So I used uh, beige with a tint of green, which the green one, a very, I did like five drops of beige and one drop of like a light green. And it, the green went a long fucking way, uh, <laughs> which works out, whatever. But uh, yeah, fairly happy with them. These figures were a lot of fun to build up. And then uh, I'm just glad they're almost done. Very cool. <clears throat> and then something I am so goddamn excited for. This is this is the whole reason, one of the biggest reasons I'm done with the stupid Africa build. <sighs> the STRV 103C MVT. With three resin figures. So it's going to be a Swedish SCRV in the snow with a nice whitewash. I'm conflicted on doing just a green, like a nice green with a post shade or the splinter camo. Uh, the the reason I'm, I'm, I, I'm really want to do the splinter, but there is so much surface detail on this thing. I don't think I could get the, the sharp edges, even with masking like the, I was looking at the the kit itself and then the the pictures of the vehicle and it was like yeah, there's no way I'm gonna try, but uh, I may end up because it's gonna be mostly whitewashed anyways, so there may not really be a point to doing a splinter camo because you really won't see it. But uh, at least like you could fudge it a lot easier that way. Yeah, yeah, that's something I may do is just attempt the splinter camo and then whitewash the fuck out of it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, either way, it'll be whitewashed to hell, sitting on a road uh, just before a small log bridge that's sitting over a Swedish trench that has been overrun by uh, Russian conscript forces. And you'll have three guys, two with RPGs, one with just a rifle pointing to the next target. So the whole idea is that this uh, STRV got destroyed by the AT team because they went on the flank and then they've pushed up to the destroyed vehicle looking for their next target. Uh, very excited to do snow theme stuff again, and I love the STRV, so it'll be fun to do. So an extreme work of fiction. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, the Russians <laughs> actually shooting something. <laughs> <laughs> the Russians able to break out of their own borders. <laughs> yeah, all the way to Sweden. That that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they'd ever make it past Finland. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they, they learned their lesson the first time. Yeah, I can't wait to be called Z Lover for that one. <laughs> Alright. Uh, no, it doesn't look like much work, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry. Uh, the picture to the right, that's uh, got to be the side of the ship that I've got mark, uh, mocked up in uh, styrene. It's got uh, some XPS foam backing. And I try to make my own rivets uh, out of some uh, just styrene uh, round stock. 
and it's like, yeah, I, I could do it, but I wasn't getting consistent results, so I went in and modeled up some and 3D printed about 800 rivets. So, this should be fun. Very Fuck cool. Yeah. Bless your soul, you're going to have so much fun. <laughs> I'm going to try to make a, a jig, too, that I could just lay it down and be able to drill out the holes correctly and then just put them in with some super glue. And start counting out those rivets. Yep. Rivet counter. Yep. I'll uh, I'll be thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. Where your whips at, boy? I don't know. What the I know I put them up. Did you? Yeah, they're right <laughs> after Garrison's. It- is that what you told the girl too? <laughs> uh, when I put stick. mine up, there was no one there. <laughs> okay, give me a sec. I'll fucking you two talk among yourselves. La da dee da da la da da da. Got so excited. Uh, uh, planning. Not... Oh, huh? good. Uh, so I'm planning on making a trip to Ohio soon to pick up some more mead, so I have a couple bottles for October. <laughs> oh, cannot wait. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Oh, dude, it's going to be a blast, you kidding me? Like, literally a block away from the fucking... Ugh! <laughs> God. I hope Gray can make it. Oh, me too. But if not, we'll still have fun. Yeah. Then in April, that's going to be my local IPMS show. I think April? Maybe March? Hell yeah. <laughs> but either way, I'm going to rent a table and try to sell some of uh, my 3D printed stuff. Fuck yeah, bro. Is that going to be kind of like your test bed for October? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's 50 bucks for a table, so... Choo! Sheesh! Yeah. Damn. I hope it hell, we, for itself. We do a good job. I mean, there's 120 vendor tables available, and holy shit! And uh, so far, there's 21 left. God damn, that is a oh, big yeah, fucking show. It is a big show. Oh, did I tell you guys what I'm going to be where I'm going to be going this year? Foreshadowing. I'm going to be meeting up uh, with old uh, Nick. Scale armor. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Going to um, scale AT- ACT in Canberra this year. It's in November, so... Because I won't make nationals this year, because shit's too expensive. <clears throat> yeah. And I have a mortgage, so that rules out anything like that. I, I really think if we're going to do, like, a IPMS meetup of like, all of us, it should be in, like, two or three years from now, so we can actually plan for it. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, would be guy would be nice to actually meet you guys in person. Considering, okay, considering now Garrison, we've known each other for well, known known everyone for coming on oh, about two years now. Just over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> how time flies. Ugh. All right, back to whips. And here's what I've been uh, just finished, actually. My 
Musaru Cup build for the old uh, Musaru Cup competition build between all the podcasts. Of course, uh, I've, I was nominated, <coughs> forced, to represent the Micro Machines podcast in the uh, first one that we've been uh, part of. And we got this um, horrendous ICM Ural <laughs> 4320 <laughs> in 72nd scale. And like when every other podcast sits there and goes, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's um, what an enjoyable kit. However, I've just finished the base for it, which is probably the best base I've ever made for it. Uh, this nice little swampy area. Just waiting for the water effects to dry out. And uh, I've already painted the uh, balsa wood border black. Well, extremely dark gray, not fully black. And yeah, hopefully I'll win. I'm not, I'm not hedging my bets, but you know, we can always hope. <laughs> we'll at least really be good. Uh, special yeah but I'm pretty happy with how the uh, particularly the um, swamp bank turned out with the rocks and the al- algae and stuff like that so yeah I'm pretty happy with this fuck Definitely. yeah as you should be dude it's looking good well, I did, looking damn good I was hitting up Garrison and Floki uh, Clint uh, a lot about how to do the grass and all of that stuff because I finally got to use my brand new static grass applicator. <laughs> and hold on. Of course, you know what the first thing I do with it is? Hmm. Shock like, yourself? No, not shock myself, but I did put the grounding wire to the uh, metal on it just to see what happens. And my you God, there's a lot of power well. in them. Oh, yeah, yeah. no shitting. <laughs> yeah, just just like, wait until you fucking shock yourself. I'm good, eh? I'm good. I've done it like four times. It sucks. (laughs) (sighs) When I do, I'll let you know about it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to use my new one I got for Christmas. So pumped. You know, it's funny, like, I was using it, I was like, I'm not seeing the grass standing up, and then it wasn't until I actually, like, uh, cleaned it up. Oh, there it is. Yeah. That's... (laughs) Do you hear that a lot? <laughs> uh, more often than I'd like. Oh. <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> well, you have to get me drunk first. Um. <laughs> oh, shit. Ugh. Just like Beth. Oh, hey, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I'm pretty, pretty stoked with how this turned out. And yeah. You should be, dude. It's looking real good. It does look really good. I love the HIDF flag. I think it's my favorite part with the fucking AT gun on the back. It's not an AT gun. It's an AA gun. It's a 37 millimeter. I'm sorry. I've been and what? I've been 18 everything. (sighs) Fucking Mm -hmm. Christ. What are you saying, Clint? Uh, What what kit is the gun again? Uh, It's the Svizda um, 61K. It's a snap kit. But, oh really? Yeah. Huh. So the the um so I've made it so it can be rotated and elevated. It still all moves all moves. So nice. I gotta say it was actually like that little kit itself was pretty damn good. Although I did snap the ba- the barrel of it straight away. <laughs> like I was I was cleaning it all and then the just the edge of the blade just caught the center of the uh, barrel and it just snapped. I was like, oh for fuck's sake, already. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, that was supposed to happen at the end of the build. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. 
if you talk to Nick about, he's been hearing my opinion on this um, build and like once the photos are done, it's a 50-50 of whether I bloody yeet this thing into the atmosphere. <laughs> um, the only the only thing I've been thinking about is that Horizon Island uh, flag, like uh, whether it should be tied down or not. Like yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering like how I'm going to do that, but I've got I'm that or gonna... just in a massive amount of like duct tape, yeah, or bricks. Mm. Yeah, I'll think of something. But yeah, basically it's finished. The dead bodies of your enemy. <laughs> All right, Mr. Group Build. All right, fuck faces. We got like a month left of this shit. Less than a month. North Africa campaign group build. Okay, ends March 1st. There's a huge prize at the end. It's going to be great. It's fabulous. Okay. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think it's like $60 of what? <laughs> I think it's like 60 bucks of uh, of model money you're allowed to spend that we'll buy for you um so one one person can win only there's some really good fucking uh uh oh judging judging this one is going to be fucking difficult i can tell you yeah, that it, it, it's going to be fairly hard and yeah uh, but that's a good thing so but the next one's coming up soon we'll be announcing it probably next week um which it's going to be a really good one uh, but yeah, come join us, get something in, and uh, have fun. And uh, once you finish listening to us, you should go look at some other modeling podcasts. There are a whole host of them. Uh, of course, we have uh, stuff like Scale Model Podcast, very original name. I'll give them that. On the Bench, Sprucutters Union, Built Sideways, Just Making a Conversation, Model Geeks. Model Insanity, Plastic, Mo- Plastic Model Mojo, Plastic Posse Podcast, Small Subjects, M Show, and Model by da- Mo- oh, fuck, Model by Garpoden. It's a Swedish um, modeling podcast. It's all in Swedish. So if you know Swedish, hmm. go check them out. <laughs> I bet you they're going to find me and kill me for my STR video. Probably. You know. I love you, Swedes. I'm sorry. And, of course, a special thanks to all our Patreon supporters, Paul Gallagher, Lord Floki, or Clint. Of course, he pays to be on this podcast. Sucker. (laughs) Uh, Robert Judson and Robert Brisbane. You guys are awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. If you want to join us on Patreon, just go Patreon forward slash Micro Machines Podcast. You will get exclusive content, behind the scenes sort of stuff we're not allowed to say on YouTube. Um, You're welcome. Usually Garrison stuff. Um, Hi, I'm the problem. Yep. For only a dollar, two dollars, three dollars a month, you know, don't be stingy. Helps keep the lights on, helps us with the uh, very, very cool. Uh, group build prizes and all of that so yeah jump on jump on and uh, support us on patreon so we've come to the end of the episode garrison and clint anything you want to add anything you want to plug anything at all you want to say clint go for it okay well uh thank you for listening to the micro machines podcast and this very fun episode about the inmate greyhound Looking forward to uh, all the group build entries. Looking forward to you guys hopping on the Discord and showing us what work you got going on and uh, bullshitting and having a good time.
Oh, there was actually one more thing I was going to say. I just remembered. Uh, the 48 and 48, I'll do a better presentation on this maybe next week. Uh, 48 and 48 hour group build is a charity event for um, hosted by James Skiffin from Just Making Conversation. And I will be one of the hosts as well as Ian from On The Bench and John will be uh, the Austra Team Australia hosts. However, um, Garrison, Dennis, maybe Clint and a few others will be able to join us. And it's a 48-hour group build of something in 48 scale. It's uh, it's all for uh, Models for Heroes, which is a charity for veterans, uh, mainly, in, mainly in the UK, but I'm sure you could probably start have something like that in the US because, you know, there's a ton of them. Um, Military Industrial Complex. Which Garrison was a part of. Yes. But no longer unless shit kicks off over in the desert again. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So I'm sure I'll be... the sand. <laughs> <sighs> I'll kill myself. However, I will be one of the hosts for it, so I'm helping them out with it. Um, so, as I said, Ian from uh, On The Bench, he'll be uh, one of the other hosts. And also, he will also be on our next podcast episode next week. So, uh, make sure you look out for that. He's uh, pretty cool. He does a lot of cool models. And, um, of course, On The Bench are up to their eighth season now, eight years. So, they're sort of the, uh, the OG model podcast. So, be glad to have him on. But, gentlemen, until then. We'll see you next week because Garrison's already done the sign-off and I just rudely interrupted, but I don't care. Suck me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Adios, fellas and gals. <laughs> <laughs>